Welcome to the Breaking Through the Noise podcast, a show designed to help you cut through all the static and find the tips, tricks, and encouragement you need to make your business successful. Your hosts are Mark Wilson and Laurel Wright, two entrepreneurs like you struggling and striving to find the pro tips and hacks to be more productive and make more money. Their goal every week is to give you the resources and encouragement that will help you gain an advantage over your competition. So let's not waste any time and get started. Here are your hosts, Mark and Laurel. Well, hello, everybody. I'm your host, Mark Wilson, and this is my co-host, Laurel Wright. And we are so glad to be with you today on the podcast, Breaking Through the Noise. And Laurel, it's time for a celebration. This is our 25th episode. Can you believe it? I uh, know it's so exciting. Hold on a second. Wait. Pop a top again. <laughs> I, I mean, I am truly amazed that we've made it this far. My gosh, Mark, stop it. Seriously. <laughs> so since this is such a milestone episode, let's just jump right in because it's, it's going to be a little different and unique, but I think, um, I think our audience is going to really like this. And I hope take action on it. So the question for you and our audience today is, are you ready for a marketing rebellion? Marketing rebellion? Oh my gosh, what do you, what do you mean by that? Well, let me share with you. Not only am I friends with superstar Americana musicians, the Young Fables, <laughs> I am also friends with a marketing guru and best-selling author named Mark Schaefer. I met Mark at a social media conference in Nashville 12 or 13 years ago when businesses were just getting started using digital and social platforms for their marketing. Anyway, I learned that Mark lived here in Knoxville and actually now lives in your hometown of Maryville, and we went to lunch together so I could pick his brain. Fast forward about a dozen years, and I'm reading one of his books and we run into each other at the grocery store of all places. It's crazy. Cue the roses and balloons as we reconnect for a beautiful breakfast reunion. <laughs> anyway, the book I was reading that Mark had written just before the pandemic was called Marketing Rebellion, The Most Human Company Wins. And I was immediately struck by the fact that the concepts and ideas he presents speak directly to the local church and its capability to be the most human organization. How so? I mean, are you, are you saying that the church is well positioned to survive or even win this marketing rebellion? Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Let's look at a couple of ideas from this book. Hey, I'm excited. Let's do it. M Mark identifies the first rebellion as everything that occurred in advertising and marketing basically prior to the, to the early 20th century, back in the late 1800s. We characterize this era using the term snake oil salesman, and, and everybody should understand what that means. You know, there was very little credibility or honesty in sales and, and marketing process. And, and the market began pushing back with reforms for truth and advertising and regulatory agencies like the Food and Drug Administration and the Federal Trade Commission. 
The second rebellion occurred with the introduction of the television into most American homes in the mid to late 20th century, allowing ads, advertisements to be streamed into our living rooms as TV commercials during our favorite program. And the market rebelled as technology gave us the ability to begin recording programs on VHS tapes, which was way before you were born, Laurel. Whatever. I remember VHS tapes. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> you saw them in your grandmother's basement. No. I... <laughs> but, you know, we started recording on, on tape. And fast forwarding through the commercials, we'd watch the show later, so we didn't have to watch the commercials. Uh, Mark used uh, McDonald's, Mickey D's, as the example of a brand built on commercials. We all remember you deserve a break today, and you'd get that jingle in your head, and you couldn't get it out. It was a, it was one of the great first earworms, and and they would put you know over a gazillion burgers sold on their sign or you know whatever wherever they were. You know, but Laurel, they didn't necessarily lie about their food being unhealthy. They just spun around and danced away from it until they tried to take their message to social media and the Twitterati just blew them up. (laughs) That's a great story in the book. So that leads us to the third rebellion, which we've been experiencing for the past few years. He titles, quote, the end of control. What we are seeing now is that our marketing processes of the last 10 to 15 years aren't really cutting it. The big box stores aren't totally dominating anymore as consumers are in control of where they buy, you know, possibly from a, a boutique or an Etsy shop or, you know, God forbid, Amazon, <laughs> the gorilla, uh, because their friend told them a great story about that vendor. Think about it. Uh, what is the most important step in your buying decision, whether online or, or in a store? What do you do? You read the reviews, right? Yeah. yeah. See, you check, see how many stars uh, it's rated. Yeah, you're right. So one of the questions he addresses early in the book is how do we know this third rebellion is really happening on a large scale? McKinsey and company is a long time, one of the foremost management consulting firms in the U.S. over the past 50 years, and a company I really, really, really wanted to work for when I came out of college, uh, and I guess probably I still do, <laughs> but they did a study that revealed on average two-third, two-thirds of the touch points during the evaluation phase of a purchase involve, quote, human-driven activities like internet reviews, social media conversations, and word-of-mouth recommendations from friends, family, and even online experts. You know, we call those influencers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that means, Laurel, that two-thirds of a brand's marketing and advertising is out of their control. And the kicker is this study was done in 2009. Uh, now 13 years ago. In 2019, they reviewed this study by analyzing 125,000 consumer buying decisions across 350 brands in 30 different industries and concluded that 90% of the categories showed no customer loyalty. 
So this is what this tells us. Well, we not only know that most of our marketing is out of our control, we can now add the sobering fact that 90% of our customers aren't the loyal friends we thought they were. Spoiler alert, you know, the consumer will win this rebellion. To quote Mark, as we are moving inexorably toward a subscription-driven, human-driven, emotion-driven, ad-free, funnel-free, big brand loyalty-free world. Wow. This is all so eye-opening to me. I feel like I'm learning a lot already and I haven't even read the book. Um, <laughs> but oh, what by is- the way, yeah, that's your next homework oh. assignment. I figured. Um, no, I'm really excited. I'm just wondering, like, what does this have to do with the church? Like, how does the church look on on this side of the pandemic? No, Laura, that's a fantastic question. And that's what I wanted to get to uh, in, in terms of translating this book for our, our pastors and church leaders in our audience and even nonprofit executives. You know, Mark doesn't give us the specific strategy in this book on how to win this rebellion. You know, his goal is to help us come to terms with the change in consumer behavior before it's too late. He points out that the big company's response has been to use more tech, like artificial intelligence, to get more data on our consumers. You know, we we all joke about, hey, all I have to do is think about a product and then Facebook shows me an ad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that's not far from the truth. But this will only work, Mark says, if we use this tech and data to become more human-centric to serve our customers. And is and it's, you know, our tradition in the church is that we usually come to the tech and data party late. Mm. Uh, and, and let's face it, today uh, being technologically late happens weekly. Yeah, no, you're you're so right. How how will this or does this all impact the church? Another great question. So, Laurel, in chapter four, Mark talks a lot about belonging, which should ring very clear to to our church friends and and nonprofit friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, because this topic should be in the wheelhouse for the church to to crush, right? But are we? He noted a Harvard study in 1938 following a group of people for 80 years. So this was continued through a Harvard department for 80 years to determine the factors that lead to a healthy and successful life. And their conclusion was that the Beatles were right in 1967. All you need is love. Hmm. Bottom line, people don't want to be lonely. And guess what? Most people felt felt that for the past two years of the pandemic. He noted a couple of groups that had communities around a brand like uh, the Extreme Sports Crazies and the brand North Face. And probably one of the most famous groups, the Harleys, the Harley Owners Group or Hogs, that not only saved Harley Davidson from extinction, but escalated it into the top stratosphere of brand names in the United States. But in the book, Mark used Lululemon which I'm wearing spandex right now, if you could see me. (laughs) Just kidding. He used Lululemon that at the time was a single activewear store in Vancouver, Canada in 2000, that in a short 22 years later 
has become a global brand. You know, when you think of yoga pants, you think Lululemon. Yep. He listed four characteristics of their approach to building community with their brand. First was conversation through design. They create interesting designs for their clothes and include messaging on their merchandise and swag that not only inspires and spurs conversation, but reinforces their values and the values of their consumers. So, you know, one great example of, of that idea of, of, you know, their customers sporting their, their swag. If you go to a coffee shop and you look at all the people working on their laptops, look at the back of their laptop and see what stickers they're pimping, mm-hmm. you know, because that's who they're, that's their brand loyalty. Uh, and I'm the same way. I've got a brewery, uh, two software companies and, a and a sticker from a musician friend of mine. So that pretty much uh, pinpoints my meager existence and dull and dull life. But but again, that's oh. one of those ways that that we're being the advertising for brands now. Right. You know, you're you're wearing a sweatshirt that I can see, and I'm wearing a hat that's for brands. Yeah. There you go. The second uh, characteristic is employees are the conversation starters. Their store employees are encouraged to discuss exercise goals and fitness tips with with customers. You know, they feel more like gym buddies than store associates. Mm -hmm. Stores become conversation hubs. They use their stores as places to hold yoga and fitness classes after hours to create a place for customers to interact and exercise and not just be shoppers. And this really grew out of a necessity in that first store in Vancouver. In order for them to help make the rent, they would hold yoga classes and rent out their store at night to yoga instructors so that they could pay the rent. So smart. I mean, that is so smart. But it's become a part of the culture now in all their stores. And then the fourth characteristic, Laurel, is they activate community influencers. And this is a specific strategy. So a year before a new store opens, they scout out the local area to identify influential yoga, running, and fitness instructors. They're willing to become their local community ambassadors. So they not only become influencers in the community, but but they also become a great resource for feedback on uh, products, you know, service in the stores, and and future events uh, for the community, for the group. I mean, it would appear to me that the church is the best organization situated to offer community to a a lonely world. So why aren't people flocking to our churches? How can we adopt the, the Lululemon formula, you know, to engage our community? Good question, Laurel, because I I think it, it all goes back to those four characteristics that if we translate those into how we're quote doing church, you know, and we talk about a lot of these things, but are we really implementing them? And are we talking about them in a way that empowers the people that are coming to our church to engage? Or are we just, as I say quite a bit, trying to make people fit our, our box, you know, trying to make a round peg fit a square hole. So, so yeah, I mean, you see that in the churches you serve, and, and it's not that it's unkind or not friendly. It is, 
it's just not engaging. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And I will, I'm just sitting here listening to you talk and I'm just like, my eyes are as big as, you know, I don't know, half dollars, but I'm like, it's, it's crazy. I mean, this is really eye opening. I've just, you know, you, you think about it and it's like common sense stuff, but really it's just, it's really eye opening. I've never looked at it from, I've never taken a step back and looked at it from this perspective. You know what I mean? Exactly. And you're going to, after you read the book, you're going to look at the way you purchase things. And you're going to look at stores you go to and, and your, your buying behavior and, and see how it has changed just in the, probably just in the last 10 years of your life. Yeah. You know, we've talked in several episodes about how, how you have created a community for the young fables and have given a lot of people a place to belong. So, you know, and here's the difference. That's been a native natural thing that you've kind of grown into for most pastors and churches, particularly if they're my age or near my age, that's not something that is natural. Right. Right. So we're going to rely on your generation to continue to, to, to show us how to, how to be more engaging. So, and, and on that point in, in the book, in chapter five, Mark tells us, why corporate messaging isn't believed and that corporate story storytelling isn't native. So everybody on, on this podcast has had to endure my soapbox lectures on <laughs> the power of the story brand framework and, and how it clarifies or creates a clarified message that addresses the needs of your hero, the customer. And, and we're not going to regurgitate that here, but I think it dovetails exactly into what Mark is saying here having an authentic message it's it's not your story it's inviting people with their story into your story here's one uh, here's how mark approaches that he introduces a concept called he calls artisanal marketing and it has the following three characteristics artisanal marketing is so compelling authentic believable and natural that people will, will want to carry your story forward it provides an experience that is unique, remarkable, and meaningful on a personal level. Mm. And third, it dispenses an obvious benefit that connects to a person's self-interest. You know, if that doesn't define church marketing in today's world, I don't know what does. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, we, we can, I could pull scripture right now and tell you, you know, we, we could add that, but, but we don't have time. But again, I, I think this is a, is a natural, uh, it should be natural, just like you in building community with the, the young fable followers, you know, this should be a natural part of how the church builds community, you know, particularly about giving people a personal experience. I mean, this just, that just sounds like church. Mm-hmm. You know, another part of the rebellion the market is making, and it's a big part about a big part of this book, is the the customer has control. You know, we saw the stud, studies about how really you're you're not in control of of your marketing and advertising. It's people are relying on other sources because not only do we have the ability to skip through commercials, but we now have apps and operating systems that are being created, you know, for our phones to block ads on our devices, like the, the recent 
uh, iOS 14 that has a, a built-in ad blocker. So the customer is saying, we will opt in or consent to your message because it will give me some value I seek. But don't try to wrestle me to the ground with your automated marketing funnels and techno sales tactics. And again, I talk a lot about email funnels and teach about using automation to connect with people. But I also say in conjunction with that is the goal of that automation in those funnels is to connect immediately or as soon as possible with a person, with a human person. So the automation and the funnels get us connected immediately so that people don't fall through the crack. Yeah. But again, that's, that's the functionality. The goal is to connect them with a live human being as soon as possible. Does that make sense, Laurel? Makes perfect sense. It really does. I mean, I'm just, I'm in awe over here. I love this. So, you know, as I stated at the top of the podcast, and I hope you see it to some degree now, the local churches that you serve are naturally positioned to address the quote marketplace that is a part of this rebellion. It's in rebellion. It's not a part of the rebellion. The marketplace is in rebellion. What I am not saying is that it's going to be easy. In most cases, churches will have to look at how they shift their culture to address the needs of a new Christian and church member. Questions like, how do we adapt our staff to serve people in today's environment? How do we shape our discipleship paths to make them personal and relevant to each person and give them control of their own journey? What is our best use of technology to help us serve our people? How do we own the space we occupy and help people belong to it? And finally, and most importantly, Laurel, how do we connect with people on a human level so they can experience God on a supernatural level? Oh, so I'm guessing you want me to read this book now, but you don't even have to. I, I mean, I'm going to, I want to read this book today. This is amazing. I'm so, I really am so excited. This, this excites me. Well, I'm glad because that was the, that was the entire goal of this podcast was just to get you to read this book. Yep, yep that's it. <laughs> I want you and I want all our listeners to, to be at the forefront of changes in our culture and marketplace so that you can continue, so that you, Laurel, can continue to be successful in your music career, and we can help equip churches to be successful in this new marketplace also. And here's an offer to our audience, Laurel, so you need to read the book quickly. <laughs> if you want to dig deeper into the marketing rebellion, then let's do it together. Here, here's how we can do it. Email me, Mark, M-A-R-K, at churchcmo.com and tell me you want to join the rebellion. Then buy and read or listen to the book. And if five of you join in and, and say, hey, I want to join the rebellion and, and read the book, we will schedule a Zoom meeting to review and discuss the book and how it relates to your church or nonprofit as a group, a sort of a cohort. So as a part of the rebellion cohort, I will also send you some more free resources 
to, to help us prepare for the marketing rebellion. All the links to the book and to join the rebellion cohort are in the show notes. Or again, just email me, marketchurchcmo.com and say, I want to join the rebellion. And make sure, give me your name and your email address and I will be in touch immediately. Well, count me in. My name is Laurel Wright. And my email is laurelsocials at gmail.com. So we only have to have four more people. Um, <laughs> thank you Great. so much, Mark. Um, I think these are all important ideas for our churches to consider as we move into new ways to help more people engage with the gospel of Jesus. And as always, if you want to help leveraging your video and digital marketing strategy to connect with more people, reach out to Mark or myself. All the links and ways to contact us are in the show notes and they're on breakingthroughthenoise.com. That's breakingthroughthenoise.com and churchcmo.com websites. One more thing, if you are new to the show or you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and you're going to be automatically updated when new episodes come out. And if you liked what you hear, then give us a nice review so more people can find us and the help that they might need. Make sure to share the podcast with your friends and your colleagues. You guys have a great week and we cannot wait to talk to you again next time on Breaking Through the Noise. Thanks for investing a few minutes with us on the podcast today. We hope Breaking Through the Noise will become your go-to resource for growing your business and yourself with our pro tips and life hacks. If you like what you heard, please do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if it was helpful, leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, let's get connected. Hit us up on social media. Our links are in the show notes. Our theme music is from The Young Fables. Check out their latest album, Pages, on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. We'll see you again next week as we keep breaking through the noise.